This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotoworld Football Podcast, you beautiful people. My name is Josh Norris, and this, because you make it so, is the most important podcast in the universe. I really want to thank you and tell you I appreciate all the support over the last few days for our combine coverage up on Rotoworld. I also want to thank the fine people over at the Around the NFL podcast, Greg Rosenthal, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and even Dan Hansis, who was not there, for having me on Monday's episode. I was very, very close to not going through with this evening's episode. Just a little tired, but I had to. I had to because the people like Rob Reed, who left a five-star review, because of DTW, who left a five-star review, Chung Diesel, five-star review, Real Jeff Thomas, no off-season, all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. We're approaching 500 reviews. If you can make a five-star, I would appreciate that. And if you enjoy this podcast for any moment, share it with buddies. Share it with friends, because the more, the merrier. All right, I thought the best way to end this weekend, four days of on-field activities, was to kind of just go position by position, train of thought type conversation here just with each spot, and hopefully we'll draw some conclusions off of that. First up is quarterback. You know, just all weekend long, It's just amazing to me how much the focus has been on Kyler Murray. It does make sense, right? Like every single season, there is kind of that lightning rod prospect that the conversation revolves around. And obviously that's going to be Kyler this year. But one, we know so many reports of him going to number one to the Arizona Cardinals. And it's kind of difficult to not believe them at this point. But two, I mean, it's not like Dwayne Haskins is that far behind, if at all, Kyler Murray as a prospect. And yet we've barely talked about Dwayne Haskins at all. And then even when you move on to the second tier quarterbacks, maybe your Drew Locks, your Daniel Jones, whatever flavor you like, there's zero conversation about them. Now that's an exaggeration a little bit, but truly there's very little talk. And I'm not going to say that there should be more per se, because, you know, I, I kind of think that once we get to the second round of these quarterbacks and beyond, we spend way too much time talking about them because there are very few quality starters in the last 10 drafts in that second, third, and beyond range that have gone on to be quality NFL starters. But one more thought on Kyler Murray to the Cardinals. This is a team that canned their head coach in just one season and instead did a complete 180, which we see a lot of decision makers do when things don't go according to plan. And they're going with a heavy offensive approach in Cliff Kingsbury. 
why not go fully all in, right? Completely invest in every tool since you believe in him that he wants to utilize in his offense. And that might be Kyler Murray in this instance. At the end of the day, it's all about having a quality starter at quarterback that works inside the structure and the confines of your offense. What if I told you that it's not as easy as, you know, swapping out Josh Rosen for Kyler Murray? It goes beyond that. It's a little deeper than that. Because really, if you keep Josh Rosen as your starter, then you also get to use the number one overall pick on a player like Nick Bosa. If instead you want to draft Kyler Murray at number one, that means you're pairing Kyler Murray with maybe a second or third round selection that you're getting in the trade for Josh Rosen. So again, it's not an easy swap, even though obviously those positions matter the most at quarterback, but you're also are leaving out a talent like Nick Bosa on your roster. Just something to think about. Going all the way back to the running back workout, I do want to stress that even though some of the top running backs like David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Elijah Holyfield didn't reach the expectations maybe set up them by media evaluators, NFL evaluators, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be successful, right? Montgomery and Devin Singletary still tested in the 20th percentile. There are plenty of backs that have fit that athletic profile. Elijah Holyfield even tested in like the fourth percentile. It's still above that two sigma designation. And we talk about sigmas because it's just the standard deviations away from the mean, right? And so two sigma, if you basically hit that threshold or below, you're basically a non-NFL caliber athlete. That's not Elijah Holyfield. And at that fourth percentile, I mean, you look at James Conner, you look at Dalvin Cook in the sixth percentile, they were in that same range. So I truly believe and hopefully you don't think I'm hypocritical for saying it, I truly believe that the running back spot is a bit different than others, right? So many factors go into it rather than just an athletic profile to succeed, whereas I still think that Elijah Holyfield can be a successful NFL player. Plus, we have our pro days rolling around. Tests and results can be improved there as well. Just one more time, let me focus on how ridiculous this receiver class is. There were seven receivers who weighed over 200 pounds and tested over the 90th percentile, including four at 214 pounds or more who tested over the 90th percentile. I mean, just bananas. I mean, there was like a period of time in the NFL and from a media evaluation standpoint that we were enamored with big wide receivers who could really move. But we've kind of gone through a dry spell looking for those. Meanwhile, the NFL has fully bought into obviously creating separation. That is the most important, but also winning out in space and winning after the catch. So what if now we get receivers that can create separation and win out in space, but they're also six foot two and over 200 pounds? That's when things get a little scarier. That's when things get taken to the next level. At offensive line, the most important conclusion that I took was that Andre Dillard hit our 447 mark for 20 yard short shuttles. Again, if you missed that article or that podcast, there have been 22 offensive linemen since 2010 that hit a 447 shuttle or better. That's the best of the best, right? Well, 19 of those 22 have been drafted, and those 19 went on to start, on average, 85% of their NFL games. And it's not just you know, padded stats based on who was drafted early. No, even your third day players like Jason Kelsey and Charles Leno Jr. have started the vast majority of their NFL games. Andre Dillard fits in that early round mark, right? Like we all believed that he was already a first round prospect. So what does this do? Well, it just confirms our evaluation. It makes us feel more strongly about it. Whereas, you know, we had seen so many pass protection exposures because Washington State throws the ball so much. Well, now he also checks the athletic box from my seat makes me feel certain that he's a top 20 prospect in this class then 
move on to the edge rushers and interior defensive linemen. I kind of think there's layers to this with athletic testing. One, with guys that get after the quarterback, we know a lot of them are going to be drafted early in the first round. Like, we know those names. In this year's class, that tested super well. That's Rashawn Gary. That's Montez Sweat. That's Brian Burns, okay? And just like Andre Dillard at offensive tackle, that makes us feel more comfortable in their evaluations, right? Because they won with athleticism in college, and now we know that that athleticism is going to translate to the NFL. And if there is any spot where athleticism is critical, it's one of the true one-on-one matchups on an NFL field with a defensive lineman going against an offensive line. But then you get to that second tier of it, right? Like even second round prospects to fifth rounders or fourth rounders to seventh rounders. Like at this point in the calendar, we can't peg where these prospects are going to go in the draft unless we view them already as top 32 selections. So your your Ben Bonogus out of TCU, your Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan, these are fantastic athletes on the edge, but right now, like I don't know if they're going to be third round picks. I don't know if they're going to be six round picks. We've seen, you know, players with great athletic profiles at these spots be drafted that late. But if you're a team like the Minnesota Vikings, okay, that have a very cohesive front office and, you know, communicate between their position coaches and their evaluators. Well, you know that the Minnesota Vikings love to take on these projects. Their position coaches love to take on these projects. It gets them very excited and they've been super successful with them in the past. So I would love to see a Bonogu. I would love to see a Crosby go there and hopefully shine and develop with NFL coaching. I will say that not every team is equal in terms of their coaching and development of players. So it's not too shocking if some of these great athletes, even at an important spot where athleticism matters, if they are out of the league, you know, in three or four years. The interior defensive line group might have been the least athletic of this entire class. Just at the combine, who knows what happens as we move on through pro days. But Jerry Tillery and Zach Allen were the top two testers, both under 300 pounds. That's totally fine, right? Like we we care about getting to the quarterback and playing the run along the way. Tillery absolutely stands out because he's one of these players that when you watch him, he has great explosiveness. But let's say as he's working beyond his first man and then either the running back gets the football or a quarterback tries to evade him in the pocket on his direct line to the passer. He's one of these interior defensive linemen that has the flexibility at the hips, at the knees, at the ankles, and can, without thinking about it, change direction and close that distance immediately. When a defensive lineman, especially these big boys that are near 300 pounds, are able to, without wasted movement, change directions with that flexibility out of a surprise movement they're reacting to, I mean, it melts my heart. Like, that's that's what I love. And Tillery does it. And even other players that didn't test so well do it. Uh, Draymond Jones, who tested in the 25th percentile. Daniel Wise, who tested in the 22nd percentile. These are other players that I see when going to the quarterback display that bend and that flexibility along the interior, which really utilizes their hips. Like, I, I think hips are an overlooked part of interior defensive line play because once your hips break the point of an offensive lineman, you've won. They can't react and and recover to get in front of you again. And big shout out to my guy, Rennell Wren. Um, I loved Rennell Wren out of Arizona State. He played a lot of nose tackle there with the Sun Devils. 
and just his instant burst and penetration at six foot five, 318 pounds. I mean, it showed up in his first two steps at the senior bowl and it shows up in his workouts in the 77th percentile. I don't know if he's going to play, you know, right over the center like he did in college or, you know, maybe some three technique in the NFL, but I totally buy into him creating instant disruption. There's also like a guy like Tristan Hill from UCF, uh, just 21 years old, didn't start many games, uh, was in a heavy rotation with the Golden Knights. But uh, in the 80th percentile, you saw him have a tremendous motor where he chased down a lot of plays other prospects would have given up on. And so if he can harness this athleticism, he can be even more impactful moving forward into the backfield. At linebacker, like all I've heard when starting this draft class this season was that they were top two names, Devin Bush and Devin White. Well, guess what? Those two were the top two testers in this draft class. Bush had a 97th percentile, Devin White a 94th percentile composite score. Both 21 years old, both around the exact same size, 5'11", 6 feet, 234, 237 pounds. They fit where the NFL is at the position now, right? They can be hammers moving forward. They can cover a lot of ground laterally and against tight ends and in space. And so while I heard those two names, I also have heard that this linebacker group lacks depth. There's a gigantic gap between those two names and then the next group. Well, I actually think that maybe these athletic tests and these athletic results have generated some type of depth to this linebacker group. You have Blake Cashman out of Minnesota, 90th percentile. Ty Summers out of TCU, 90th percentile. Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame, 88th percentile. Ben Burke-Hervin. 81st percentile, right? Like you can keep going on and on. So while maybe those guys didn't stand out when watching them necessarily as must have players with their tape, maybe these coaches can develop and work and get excited about someone from a mindset standpoint and an athletic standpoint that they feel comfortable taking on day two, on day three and working and developing with. I mentioned how good the receiver class was. It just kind of makes sense and is fitting that the cornerback class was almost equally as athletic. I think a fun way of looking at the cornerback class is this. Let's put ourselves in the Seattle Seahawks front office, okay? The last seven outside corners the Seahawks have drafted all have 32-plus inch arms. It certainly seems to be a critical factor for them. And the reason why they have that threshold is one, because they think it fits their scheme. And two, since it does fit their scheme, it can diminish the pool of prospects in any given draft class for outside corner. So like in this year's combine class, okay, 16 of the 36 corners had 32 plus inch arms. So theoretically, your evaluations improve on those 16 rather than the entire 36, because Again, you get to knock off 20 of them, and then you get to focus on just the 16. And of those 16 corners that fit the arm length threshold, five of those corners produce composite scores in the 90th percentile or higher. I mean, think about that. We have five corners in this class that are long to match up with those, you know, six foot three, 220 pound receivers that we talked about and also can run with them, change direction with them because of their athletic scores. I mean, just amazing, amazing stuff. And just like with every draft class, like we have all different receiver types, you know, your outside, your inside, your guys who win big, your guys who win small after the catch or contested catch guys. Then you also have corners that do the exact same thing. We have small slot guys. We have big physical slot guys, box safeties that can come down and be the third safety on plays. Then you also have your long fluid athletes on the outside who might've been former wide receivers. So that is it, ladies and gentlemen. If you consume this combine coverage at all, 
be sure to hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed it for any moment. Please, please leave us a rating and review. Tell a friend. I mean, my whole goal with this, because I get to put my fingerprints all over this podcast, right? It's like my responsibility. So rather than, you know, waiting for an opportunity out there, I'm kind of doubling my efforts on it. So if you enjoyed that at all, a rating review would be appreciated. Ray Summerlin and I will be back later this week just to do a fun Q&A episode. So if you want to send us questions that can be about football or they can be about anything, preferably about anything, because, you know, maybe a little break from football would be fun. I hope you all have just a a wonderful week, uh, and I will talk to you all soon. See ya. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.